Good morning. Man, I, 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 uh, we, we love to do church together, and I'm not going to get you to stop talking, am I? That's good. That means you're friendly. You discovered we're a friendly church. And uh, I love Easter, and Easter really is a, a time on the church calendar when all that we talk about throughout the year, the, the other 51 weeks of the year that we meet together in this place, that, that it all comes together. It all culminates in this weekend. Everything that we believe, everything that we celebrate culminates on Easter. And uh, I'm just so delighted that we get to share it together with you. And, uh, but I've also been thinking a lot about the fact that uh, we really do live in a world that's filled with a lot of bad news, don't we? And uh, I don't know about you, but it just seems like it's getting worser and worser. Is that actually a word? Some of the English teachers are like, no. But whether it's here in the U.S. or around the world, it just seems like the news is getting worse, that things are, are, are not kind of turning maybe in the right direction. There just seems to be more and more bad news, which got me thinking, what if just for one day, we could take over the 24-7 news cycle, all of the social media feeds, the radio, newspapers. Does anybody still read newspapers, right? Anyone? Anyone? We got any newspaper? Oh, we got a few. There we go. But, you know, if we could take it all over just for 24-7 and that we could have the news that we wish was true, I think it might go something like this. Obama and Speaker of the House John Boehner took a hot air balloon ride together to discuss what their favorite color is. According to reports, they each said every color at the exact same time, then hugged and floated off into the sunsets. Vladimir Putin says he's over the whole being evil thing and is currently in the process of writing a children's book called The Happy Octopus. There's a new iPhone app out that helps give advice to people going through a divorce, but it didn't sell well in the stores. It appears that everybody is happily married. <laughs> a new study found that water slides, pizza, sunshine, friendship, shooting stars, breath mints, dance parties, and turtles are all awesome. Great news, everybody. Ghosts cannot hurt you. Nobody's ever been hurt by a ghost. Ghosts are scary. Nobody's saying they're not. But there is not one reported case of death caused by a ghost. This just in, stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts. Think about it. And finally, a new report finds that I love you. Yes, you. I know we haven't met before, but I think about you all the time. And together, we can get through this. It's us against the world, buddy. Come on. Don't you feel better? Yeah, you know. Now, don't you wish the news was a little bit more like that? Um, but it's just not, right? Uh, you know, it's the old adage, right? The old news adage, if it bleeds, it leads, right? It's like bad news kind of seems to lead the way because it's bad news that seems to sell. But you know that the human brain is actually drawn to the negative or to the bad before it sees or is drawn to the positive. And so we're actually kind of, because of our broken state, kind of drawn towards bad news, towards negative things. And, and, and so social media, our 24-7 news cycles, websites, apps, all of these things end up leaving us exhausted, affecting us emotionally. And there's been a ton of scientific studies that go on just trying to help us understand that. And the reality is that we weren't, as human beings, designed to absorb all of the bad news that we seem to encounter in the world in which we live. In fact, we recognize that news really shapes us, doesn't it? 
I mean, news not just informs us. It's not just that it informs us of events or activities, things going on in the world around us, but news actually impacts us. News affects us, and, and we recognize that it has an impact on our lives. And it got me thinking this week, trying to understand news a little bit better. And, and we recognize that, that news, you know that thing that you flip on at, the night, at night and it reports incidents and activities and things going on in our world and, and, and around our own community. News isn't just something that happens out of the blue. News is always part of a bigger story. And whether it's the senseless acts of violence or random acts of kindness, there's always a story within which those events, those activities are set. There's something that there's a backstory to what you see reported on the news. There's something that that's involved, that, that, that event is a part of. In fact, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you watch uh, Dateline or 60 Minutes or 2020. I'm not going to ask you to tell me if you do or don't. But, but those shows actually are built on this very premise. They take the headlines that we see and they unpack the backstory. And if you ever watch any of those shows, and a lot of people do because they've been on our, news or on our TV stations for a long, long time, what happens is you realize oh, there's a backstory to this news event that's taking place. But it's not just that there's a backstory. We, we also recognize that news is something that's happened, and as a result of it happening, things are different. In fact, we've, we've watched some really tragic events in our own city and region, and down in Nashville, we've, we've watched some really just painful, heinous things happen, and we recognize for the people that are directly involved with those things, that like just changes everything for those folks as they move forward. But as we watch and take in the news, we recognize that, that it fosters or it can create some change in us, that things as they move forward, maybe move forward a little bit differently. And for some people in the room, you're maybe even moved by what you see and out of empathy, you're going, I need to do something. I need to get involved in something. I need to be involved. And maybe you see the homelessness in our region and in our city and you want to move to be involved and partner and do something or give something because you saw the news and it caused you to change. That It created something different as you moved forward. But oftentimes for Many of us in the room, what happens is because the human brain, you and I, were not designed to take on the burden and, the, and the, the negativity and all of the news that we consume every day, seven billion people and all that's going on around in the world, oftentimes what happens is that we maybe get a little jaded, maybe get a little callous, maybe we turn off the TV and we try to create an existence separate from that. But the point still remains that news changes things for us as we move forward. The last thing that I was thinking about this week was that news isn't just uh, an event that's part of a bigger story. News isn't just something that happens. It, it happens, and as a result, change happens. Things are different from that point forward. But, but the third thing I was thinking about this week is that news, and especially good news, creates a period of anticipation, of expectation. That, that when you hear good news, oftentimes the question you ask yourself is, well, how, when's it get here? Now, how many of you remember where you were on the 21st of April, 2016? How many? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody? 
Do you know what happened on the 21st of April 2016 in the Clackamas area? Nobody knows? Chick-fil-A opened. <laughs> and the world was never the same. Especially if you're trying to turn off of Sunnyside and go down that little road that takes you to Costco, right? But, but that's when it opened. But do you know that the news stations locally, because this was the first Chick-fil-A in the entire region, was coming to Clackamas, Oregon. And the news channel started to report it about a year or a year and a half before it actually opened. And, and for people that are Chick-fil-A, because you're, you know, there's a lot of Chick-fil-A fans in the world, right? You know, there's nowhere else you can get chicken like that. And I'm not, I'm not being paid to tell you that, by the way. But this section brought to you by Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but there was this news of something that was coming, and it created anticipation. There was an expectation. And the closer it got, December 2015, as we're changing into the new year, we're only four months away from the Chick-fil-A opening, and life would never be the same because of Chick-fil-A. In fact, I, I thought, man, it would be really kind of cool if we could give a little Chick-fil-A giveaway. <laughs> now, if you had to come last night, you would have been able to take this little Chick-fil-A giveaway and go to Chick-fil-A, but you didn't. You came on Sunday, so guess what? You gotta wait till tomorrow. Anticipation. <laughs> See what I did there? Now, who am I gonna give this to? I don't know, I'm gonna give it to this young man over here. Here we go, quick. There we go, give it up. There you go. <sighs> He'll have to wait till tomorrow to go. <laughs> but listen, good news creates this period of anticipation, expectation of waiting. And what we recognize when you put these three things together is that good news puts in a new event into an old story that points us to a better today and a better tomorrow. Good news puts a new event into an old story that leads us or points us to a better today and a better tomorrow. And that's exactly what Easter is all about. Easter was a new event that was a part of a larger story, an older story, a story that had been told since the start of time. And because of it, there was new hope, new life, new opportunity, a better today and a better tomorrow. You see, Easter isn't just something that happened out of the blue. Easter is part of a larger story. Easter isn't uh, something that just kind of happened and ho-hum, we all just move on. No, because of Easter, everything would be different. Easter isn't just an event. Easter and the happening, the events that happened at Easter would change everything for all of humanity and all of creation from that point forward. In fact, Peter Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He wrote a letter in the New Testament, and Peter records it this way in 1 Peter. He says, what a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. And because of Jesus, his son, was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Can you see the anticipation? 
Can you see what happens as a result of this event? That there is the opportunity for new life? That everything is different. We've got everything to live for because of what happened at Easter. He goes on and he says, including a future in heaven, but not just a future in heaven, a future that starts right now. A better today and a better tomorrow. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you will have it all, life healed and whole. You see, the reality is that every single one of us in this room, deep down in our hearts, the Bible tells it this way, that eternity resides in our hearts, and we know that this life, the life that you and I bump into, the life that you and I experience day in and day out, is not the life that we were actually designed for. It's broken. It's fractured. It's not the life that God created us for. But there's an event that happens. There's news that's announced. There's an activity that takes place at Easter that would change everything. Now, how many of you like to go to the movies? How, well, we got a few. That's okay. I mean, you can, it's okay. It's okay. You can tell me if you really like the movies. How many of you like to watch the movie, movies at home? See, there's the smart crowd right there. See, they have figured out that the ones that, who, all those that raise their hand to, that like to go to the movies at the cinema, raise your hands again. Come on, don't be sheepish. There you are. There you are. See, the second group understood that if you stay at home, you don't have to remortgage your house just to buy some snacks. <laughs> you could learn something from that group, I'm telling you. Now, you have about 10 subscriptions that's costing you an arm and a leg to have all those movies. But, but can you imagine going to the movies, and, and in fact, uh, I went to the movies with a friend of mine this week, and uh, you know, it's like, you go to the movie, and, and there's like 30 minutes of advertising. How many of you like to go for all that advertising? And uh, Some of you do, that's okay. How many of you like to show up right as the movie is starting, and you've got it down to a science? Any of you? There you go. Uh, how many of you just like to show up to the movie randomly, maybe like 30 minutes into the movie? No, none of us do that, right? Because we understand that if we show up late to the movie, if we show up 30 minutes into the movie, we're not going to understand the whole story. We're not going to understand, well, why is that guy with that girl, and why are they on the beach, and why are they shooting at people, and why are they kind of all, like, it just doesn't make sense because we missed the start of the movie. We missed the start of the story. And oftentimes, we do the same thing with Easter. You see, Easter is the part of a story that kind of is in the middle of the story. And, and you know, we can show up on a weekend like this and, and we can hear this kind of, oh, Easter story. I know it's got something to do with Jesus and death on a cross. And man, that just seems really inhumane. And that's just really terrible. Why did that happen? What is it, what's the result of all of this? Like, like, it leaves us almost with more questions than answers. And the reason why is because we don't oftentimes rightly understand the backstory to the events of Easter. In fact, many of us maybe don't understand the backstory at all. It's, it's just kind of, well, there's this thing called Easter, and, and, and you know, it's kind of tradition in my family. I go to church on Easter, and so we do that, right? And that's a good thing. But there's a story behind it. There's many people that have got the wrong backstory. Remember, if news is part of a bigger story, Easter is part of a bigger story. But unfortunately, 
the story that many of us have been told or many of us have just kind of absorbed and kind of believe is this idea that there's a angry or dangerous God somewhere up in the sky. I mean, we don't kind of know where he is. It's in the heaven somewhere. And, and this God who is righteous and holy and he's pure and he's better than all of us, right? Which, by the way, he is. But, but he has this high moral bar that he wants us to jump over. That like, there's a certain kind of lifestyle that we're supposed to live. Like we're supposed to be like angels, right? And, and if we're not like angels, if we're not pure and we're not holy and we don't clear that high moral bar, then God's really, really upset with us. And the reality is that all of us inside of our hearts, we, we do the things that we don't want to do and we don't do the things that we do want to do. And, and we recognize, man, we have this struggle. And it, you just feel this guilt or this shame that I am not measuring up. I'm not able to clear the high moral bar that this dangerous God in heaven has set for us. And so what do we do? For some... It might be that I know there's this person, this character, this, this great moral teacher. His name was Jesus. And, and it seems like he kind of stepped in front of me to take, to take the penalty, the punishment. He, he took what I deserved, what I feel like God was pouring out in my direction. He took it. And somehow that all gets worked out and I get to be okay with God and I get to kind of move forward in my life as I choose. And that's the backstory that many of us believe. And so we know that Easter has maybe something to do with that. But the challenge is this. If we don't understand the backstory correctly, we won't rightly understand the nature of Easter. In fact, the actual backstory goes a little bit more like this. There's a good God who created a good world. And he created humankind that was represented in, in the first of all humanity in these characters named Adam and Eve. And, and God in creating Adam and Eve and God placing them in this world that he created for his glory and for their good. He places them in this world and he places them there for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, to be in relationship with creator God, be in relationship with the one who created them. In fact, the Bible tells us this way, that they were to be in relationship with the one who would Deep, most deeply satisfy their deepest longings, their deepest yearnings, their deepest needs, their deepest desires. It's God that would truly satisfy. And this God would want to be in relationship with them, but he didn't just set them in the garden so that they could be in relationship with them. He set them in the garden and he said, I also want you to partner with me. And, and the Bible teaches us that God wanted humanity. He wanted you and I to bring order out of chaos. He wanted us to, to nurture goodness in this world. He wanted us to create order and possibility and flourishing. In fact, the Bible tells us it this way. It said that he wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. That through you and I, all of creation, all of humanity was supposed to be blessed. But that lasts about two chapters in the Bible. And humanity collectively, and Adam and Eve, turns their back on this arrangement not just turns their back on this arrangement, which was a good, wonderful, and beautiful arrangement. They turn their back on God. And they say, no, God, we got this ourselves. We're just going to take care of things ourselves. 
That we're no longer interested in relationship with you. We're no longer interested in the purpose for which you created us. We're no longer interested in creating order out of chaos, possibility, goodness, and flourishing on this planet. And instead of being fruitful and multiplying, instead of filling the earth with the goodness of God, what we end up filling the earth with is violence and chaos. And isn't that, when you turn on the news, what you and I see day in and day out? That we see a world that is broken. We see a world that is fractured. We see a world that is overwhelmed with bad news. We see violence at every turn. We see greed. We see hatred. We see bias. We see power structures. We see all of these things operating in this world. And and what we as collective humanity have created is not a world that's filled with goodness, not a world that's filled with blessing, not a world that's filled with flourishing and possibility, but a world that's filled with selfishness and greed and violence. Now you and I, we can turn off the TV, click, We can turn off our social media and put it away. But the reality is that that thing called sin that's fueling all of this stuff still resides inside each one of us. And we feel that brokenness in ourselves. We don't do the things that we know we ought to do. And we we, we do the things that we know we ought not to do. We feel that brokenness in marriages that are strained or stressed and fractured. We feel that brokenness in parenting kids who, man, just seem to want to rail against. They, they no respect, no honor. Like, like there's just all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of struggling, all kinds of striving instead of flourishing. And, and for many of us, we can become just callous to it, can't we? We can become jaded. We can try to carve out our own existence and some sort of happy existence that will pursue different things. And and for all of us in the room, we can pursue those things. And what we oftentimes discover is that by the time we get to the end of that pursuit, it does not satisfy. Because every single one of us, every single human being was created for something bigger. You were created for relationship with your creator. You were created to live a life that's full of possibility, full of flourishing, full of goodness, full of blessing because of your relationship with your creator. And so if we don't rightly understand the backstory, we'll end up believing that there's some dangerous God that's out to get us and we'll miss the whole point of the Easter story, which is that there's actually a good God whose response to our rebellion, whose response to our sin, was not to come after us with some sort of two by four to kind of whack us upside the head. No, he came after us and pursued us with love. God, justifiably upset and angry because of our sin and our rebellion, chooses not to retaliate but chooses because of his great love for us to respond in love by giving himself, giving his life so that out of Jesus' death, we could have new life. What a God we have, Peter said. And how fortunate we are to have him because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven 
and a future that starts right now. And this is what Jesus said when Jesus came and walked this earth. Jesus said he came proclaiming the good news. In fact, he says it this way in Mark 1, verse 15. The time promised by God has come. See, when we turned our back on God, God made a promise to humanity. And he said, I will come and I will rescue you out of your brokenness. I'll rescue out of all this chaos. And Jesus comes and he announces that the kingdom of God has come near. And he says this, repent of your sin and believe this good news. See, the good news would culminate in the events of Easter. So often when we hear phrases like that, that there's a kingdom that's come, there's a new power structure, there's a new way of doing life, there's a new way of being human. So often when we hear that kind of phrase, what oftentimes gets circulated in our mind is kind of this power structure, this power struggle. It's something like, you know, kind of Russia and Ukraine and there's tanks and there's a war and there's a, a battle for authority. But that's not how Jesus came. Jesus came lovingly. Jesus came serving and healing and laying down his life. Jesus came seeking peace. Jesus came loving those who really should be his enemies. Jesus comes in an entirely different way. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15, verse 13. He said, there is no greater love than this, the love that lays down one's life for his friends. He continued on and he says, you are my friends. And what Jesus came to do, Jesus, the very son of God, leaves the splendor and majesty of heaven, not just to make an announcement, not just to report some good news. It's news that's set into a story, a story from the start of time, a story that concerns you, a story that concerns your creator, God in heaven, and a story of redemption, of restoration, of God chasing after you to bring you back from the brokenness and the chaos, all the bad news that we experience in this world that we live in. And here's what's so amazing about Jesus. And this is what we celebrate at Easter. Not just that Jesus made an announcement. There's a lot of people making announcements. There's a lot of people making a lot of promises. But Jesus put his money where his mouth is and he didn't just announce that greater love is no one than to lay down his life for another. No, no, Jesus would willingly sacrifice himself going to the cross. In fact, the Bible actually says it this way. They didn't take his life. He willingly gave up his life. And he hung on a cross. And on that cross, he took the penalty and the payment for your and my sin. So not, that we could not only be forgiven, so that we could not only be in right relationship with God, but so that we could live a different kind of life, the kind of life that God promised us from the very outset. You see, news, the kind of news that happens at Easter, isn't just news that stands on its own, it's news that's part of a bigger story. And the result of that news changes everything. And that news creates a new kind of life, a new kind of hope, that I don't have to be hopeless, I don't have to be fatalistic, I don't have to struggle and strive in my own strength, but I can trust in Him. And that really is the invitation of Easter. 
We know that Jesus' payment for our sin was accepted because on the third day, he rose from the grave so that you and I could walk in that same kind of life. No longer fearing death, sin, the grave. No, 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 no. There's a good future. And that future starts today. And for some of you in this room, today can be a new start. Today, your future, your direction, everything that's been to this point can change because of the message, the announcement, the news of Easter. And so I want you just to close your eyes for a moment because Easter doesn't, it's not just news, it's something that's reported, it's not just an announcement, it's actually an invitation to every one of us an invitation to get things right with your creator, an invitation to be forgiven of your sin, an invitation to step into relationship with Jesus, an invitation to be set free from the power of sin, an invitation to have a whole new way of being human and of doing life. Instead of selfishness and striving and struggling, there's love and grace and generosity. The Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks And he knocks because he's inviting us to step out. Step out from that which has been, that struggle, that striving, that trying to deal with the guilt and the shame and all of those things in our own strength and step into a new relationship. And so if that's you this morning, man, you're just saying, something's resonating in me. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of forgiveness. I want that kind of future to start right now. I want to ask you if you'd be willing, eyes are closed and heads are bowed and all that stuff, but it's dark in the room, but there's something to be said about me just lifting my hand up and saying, Lord, I'm responding to that invitation to be forgiven, to be set free, and to be adopted as a son, a daughter of Jesus, so that I can have that new life. If that's you this morning, man, would you slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus, we thank you this morning that your word tells us that, Lord, if we ask you or confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. Your word tells us that you adopt us as sons and daughters, that you welcome us into your family. You make us a new creation. And Lord, today we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity for that kind of new life. We say thank you today, Jesus, for new life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and begin to distribute communion. But one of the things that we do every week, and we do it because Jesus, gathering with his disciples, uh, he, he gathered with them before the cross, and he, he instituted a meal that we now call communion. And he did it because he wanted us to never forget, to always remember and to celebrate what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so as the plate passes, you're going to see there's a, two little cups. There's one with some juice, and there's a little cracker, and that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And Jesus said, you're to do this in remembrance of me. We're to remember. We're never to forget. We're to celebrate that which Jesus has done for us and accomplished through the cross on Easter. And so once you receive communion, if you wouldn't mind, just maybe just close your eyes after you've received communion and just reflect upon what Jesus has done for you.
So Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. Thank you that you gave your body to be broken, pierced, your blood was shed so that we could have a relationship, so that things could be put right between us and you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the penalty, the payment, the punishment for our sin, so that out of your death, we could have life. So Jesus, we say thank you for the life that we receive in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, let's eat together. Let's drink together. And then I'm gonna have you stand, and we're gonna close with this song.